the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Hour number two, Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you along. 94.5 in Dayton, 98.9. The Answer in Columbus. Catch the podcast. TheAnswerDayton.com, 989TheAnswer.com. Great way to catch up on show content. We talked a lot in hour number one about policing in Columbus. They're going to buy out more cops, making the city less safe, getting everybody online with Elaine Bryan and her vision of leadership for the Columbus police. Meanwhile, we have 10,000 cars on schedule to be stolen. And murders are happening at an alarming rate still, even though not the record rate of 2021 and 2020. We turn our attention now to politics, local, national, and a great source for you to follow these things, a source where you won't get partisan nonsense, but an actual down-the-middle approach is the Ohio Press Network, and I'm happy to have with me Jack Windsor, who distinguished himself in many of you guys' minds with his uh, questioning of the governor during COVID, which got Jack in lots of trouble with the governor, which tells you he's doing a really good job. Jack, welcome to the Bruce Hooley Show. Great to have you on again. Bruce, it's always an honor. Thank you for choosing me. I love being here with the 98.9 The Answer family. Follow Jack on Twitter at Jack Windsor, W-I-N-D-S-O-R, and you can find the Ohio Press Network at theohiopressnetwork.com. Okay, the primary yesterday, not real sexy, but state central committee Mm -hmm. spots are what I think was significant. What kind of trends did you notice on state central committee? It looks to me like... A lot of people who've been part of the Republican Party machine uh, mm-hmm. mm, may not be part of the Republican Party decision-making process on the state central committee going forward. Did I read it right? So there's still some tabulating going on, but yeah, I think you did read it right. You know, there's been a Republican uh, reform going on within the party, and it's been ugly, and it's really been confusing, even as somebody who tried to really dig in and, you know, discern, it it really is confusing, even up through last night. But some things that I think were barometers for where the party, that party is headed, uh, Sabrina Warner dethroned Betty Montgomery. Uh, Betty Montgomery, uh, for many listeners, you may remember, uh, she held a a statewide executive office as attorney general. And some people... um, I'm not saying this is my opinion. Some people view her as uh, kind of a squishy establishment Republican, mm-hmm. and she was dethroned, uh, Sabrina Warner. Uh, Mike Berger over Jim Simon. Uh, Jim Simon, if you followed any state central committee meetings, was somebody who was always happy to stand up and uh, really try to pivot the meetings as they started going in the direction of things that the reformers were trying to work on. So he was ousted. Uh, Brad McLeod was ousted by Jim Burgess. Uh, Mary Beth Kemmer uh, lost to newcomer Jessica Franz, who is uh, really a conservative mom uh, uh-huh. who 
is is on the war path. And then, you know, Shannon Burns up in Strongsville is somebody who I, I, I believe the establishment spent a lot of money and messaging trying to oust. He won big. And then Melanie Lenahan kind of faced the same thing in my home district, Senate District 19 in Delaware County. And she was victorious last night as well as her running mate. So it looks like, I don't know, I'm trying to crunch the numbers, it could be anywhere from 25 to 33 what you would call red meat conservatives are now on the state central committee, which is comprised of 66 people, but uh, it looks like there are two vacancies. So there are 64 people. You're looking at 28 to maybe even 33 conservatives. That could be a huge shift. Yeah, and we had a shift, too, with uh, Beth Lear beating the incumbent, Sean Stevens, for the Republican nomination to get to the Ohio State House. And I had Beth Lear on the show, and she fits that mold of a, I call them tiger moms. And we've seen tiger moms get involved at, uh, private schools like Columbus Academy, public schools, Olentangy, Dublin, Hilliard, UA. We saw it with Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. Education is going to be a big issue for Republicans this fall, Jack, uh, not just nationally but locally. And I think we're seeing it at the state central committee level. We're seeing it at yeah. the Ohio State House level. We're going to see it in the Ohio uh, House of Representatives level. And I'm hoping with J.D. Vance we see it at the, states, uh, at the, at the uh, federal Senate level as well. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head. Um, Beth winning uh, is an indication. Fad Claggett actually uh, overthrowing Mark Frazier, I believe, in District 68. In my home, hometown District 67, Melanie Miller up near Ashland County, uh, you want to talk about a red meat conservative pro-life, uh, pro-lifer, she won big. So, you know, it really will start to um, bring into focus some of the legislation that, Surprisingly, in Ohio, with a Republican supermajority, didn't get over the finish line, right? So, you know, kind of some of the boys and girls sports and things of that nature, divisive concepts, mm-hmm. um, keeping our kids safe in school. Those pieces of legislation look like they're going to come to the forefront at the end of the general election. And look, at the state Senate level, or excuse me, the U.S. Senate level, uh, obviously the opponents are nervous. If anything you read, from particularly the left or even the media that promises to be unbiased, looks at people like J.D. Vance, who have a very firm, what they would call obstinate position in America First policies. Uh, they call him crazy. So, yep. Yep. you know, um, they're building an arsenal against him. And I think despite what anyone would write, I think J.D. Vance is up probably three or four points. I think he wins that race by eight to ten points. Well, and we see it not just with J.D. Vance, but I'm looking at the dispatch story here or where they mentioned um... – Beth Lear winning, and she's like, you know, pro-Trump, pro-this, pro-that. It's like, you know, crazy per- whoop, whoop, crazy person alert. Well, the fact yep. is, a lot of voters don't think that's crazy at all. And it's not just Ohio. Nationally, you look at Carrie Lake winning in Arizona, and I'm not sure I wanted Carrie Lake to win, but she won. Mm-hmm. Blake Masters winning in Arizona. Uh, Tudor Dixon winning the Michigan gubernatorial GOP primary. Trump-backed candidates did very, very well last night, Jack. And the mm-hmm. long view of Trump-backed candidates, he's, his endorsement generally has been a plus for people more than it has been a minus, uh, hard as the Democrats have tried to portray it as a minus. Well, you know, I'll give you the microcosm look at it in the Ohio U.S. Senate race. And up until about a month out, um, I I would have picked Josh Mandel to win that race. I think it was very close. Uh, but once Trump weighed in, 
Um, you know, J.D. Vance did a fantastic job of putting money behind that endorsement, but that shifted the entire landscape. And uh, I think that that will be important uh, in Ohio. Uh, I still think that's important throughout the country. And um, it's going to be really interesting uh, to see what happens in November. Um, uh, you know, I, there, there is a red wave coming. I think the um, the thing that we have to keep a pulse on and an eye on is, you know, how far reaching is it? Is it the U.S. House? Is it the Senate? Um, I mean, right now in Ohio, <laughs> approval rating, if you want to go all the way up to the White House, I think is, is somewhere between 15 and 19 percent. Think about that. Yeah. 15 and 19 percent. Jack Windsor is our guest, Ohio Press Network. Follow him on Twitter at Jack Windsor. And the Ohio Press Network is online at theohiopressnetwork.com. So here's my question about this red wave and about the clear signal sent at the state central committee level with some of the Ohio House races. The House leadership, Senate and House, Bob Cup and Matt Huffman. They're the kingmakers. They're the ones who decide Mm -hmm. if bills become laws. And we have in this climate strong support, I believe, for the Protect Women's Sports Act, or more so so than the bill. I hate to refer to the bills by number because people say, well, the bill's poorly written or whatever. The the Mm -hmm. thrust behind three bills, keep biological boys from playing girls' sports. Another one would be uh, abolish teaching sexual ideology, and gender identity to kids in grades K, 1, 2, and 3. And third, make it illegal for surgeons to do double mastectomies on minor girls and puberty blockers and the like with boys. Those are three three laws that I believe the state of Ohio would strongly support with the electorate. And yet, those bills have been there in the House and have been and and in the Senate and they've been not ignored. They've been minimalized by Huffman and Cup. So these guys are not going to be they're not out of office. They're still in their positions of power. Do they read the tea leaves and go, hmm, you know what? We might not be immune if we don't get behind these efforts. Yeah. So I talked with uh, a senator, a state senator this morning and uh Looking down the road, it looks like they have a couple of weeks on the calendar where they are potentially back in session in September. Um, Whether those get canceled, I don't know. So my gut tells me that serious work on any any of those pieces of legislation you just mentioned will probably not happen until after November. But, you know, I look at it, and I'm going to go back to the state central committee. Thing. I got, I got to, I got to um, tell you, we got just about 40 seconds left. So if you can okay. uh, summarize okay. it for Perfect. me, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll be quick. Uh, thanks for putting up yeah. with me. Um, so, you know, I think the state central committee leadership is important. Um, if if there was what I think there was last night, all of a sudden endorsements and money are going to shift. And so, if you are in the Republican Party, and if you are in the General Assembly. Um, I think that there is now enough pressure from Ohioans through grassroots, through conservatives, that this legislation will have to get out of committee, get on the floor and get voted on. So I expect those pieces of legislation. My thanks and my apologies to Jack Windsor of the Ohio Press Network. I put Jack in an untenable spot. 
by asking him a question late in our allotted time. Because we're on in both Dayton and Columbus, we have hard outs every break. So that was my fault, not Jack's fault. Uh, always appreciate his perspective. And I cannot recommend highly enough his site, theohiopressnetwork.com, because they report and say the hard things. And in that vein, it is instructive to see the vitriolic reaction on the left when commentators, local and national, talk about uh, this uh, disease monkeypox. Monkeypox is being portrayed as another COVID. I get it. We had COVID. It was a pandemic. It was new. It was something we'd never struggled with before. We'd watched it play out in movies and television shows. And we got caught up in the ridiculous, unsubstantiated fear that it was coming for all of us. Fear of the unknown, understandable in the beginning, but we still see the fear playing out, right? How many people do you see today still wearing masks? You say, well, not very many are wearing masks, but it's not compared to what it was. Yeah, well, the fact that people are still wearing masks. For instance, Nancy Pelosi got off a plane in Taiwan wearing a mask. Okay, now, maybe that was being observant of the local health guidelines. I don't know. But there have been no studies that say that masking works. Ohio University Mandatory mask mandate indoors for when you go back to school, kids. This is inane. This is stupid. So when you hear people talk about monkeypox, I think part of it is the name, the way the disease manifests itself, the visual evidence of the disease looks very scary and super unpleasant. And in fact, I'm sure it is. But I'm also quite sure that it is not another covid There's this weird, like, fascination people have with, oh, we've been through one pandemic. When's the next one? Well, that was the first one of your life, my friend. The first one really of your life that resulted in unprecedented and stupid lockdowns and government-mandated safety measures. So, no, it's part of the reason I don't fear monkeypox. And the other part of the reason why I don't fear monkeypox is because all the studies show that the vast majority of people who suffer monkeypox are gay men who have participated in multiple partner orgies. Saying true things offends people, but it does not make the things any less true. Now, can it be something that afflicts other people? Sure. Because the way that you interact with someone else may not involve a gay orgy. You could still exchange the bodily fluids that you need to exchange. Open sores rubbing up against each other. Kissing, saliva. Yeah, there are ways. But by and large, if you are um, celibate, And if you're not engaged with swapping spit with someone else, you don't have an open sore, you're probably going to be fine. But when you say anything, anything that suggests that 
rampant sex outside of a faithful marriage is not a good idea. It's not a healthy thing to do, psychologically or otherwise. Well, then the left gets very, very upset, and the LGBTQ lobby gets very, very upset. But I will not apologize for saying true things. And, of course, then this fear is upheld by the Biden administration naming a monkeypox czar and by stupid stories like this from 10TV.com. Yes, monkeypox can spread by trying on clothing or changing bedsheets. There's a big difference between can and will. The World Health Organization, how's their credibility doing? The World Health Organization has declared the global monkeypox outbreak a public health emergency of international concern. I wonder what would happen to the global monkeypox outbreak if gay men could, for a month, just stop participating in orgies with each other. Oh, can't dare say that. You don't have the right to say that. You're infusing your morality in somebody else's life. And I say it not for my own benefit, because I'm not really in danger. I say it for the benefit of those who are exposing themselves to the risk of getting this disease by their behavior. And also because I happen to strongly believe that that is a destructive type of behavior for any human being to engage in. So, if you're looking for me to say I'm sorry for my position that monkeypox and its spread is primarily driven by immorality involving gay men, I will not apologize for that because I'm here to tell you true things. And that is, in fact, a true thing. I'm not the only one. There are many other commentators nationally who are saying this. The first study showed, what, 95, 98% were gay men. I remember, this is how, this is how cultural tides have changed in our country. Back when AIDS first happened, I remember the hue and cry from the gay community to Ronald Reagan, close the bathhouses, please close the bathhouses in San Francisco. And when Reagan did not close the bathhouses, and I don't know why he didn't, but he didn't, it was seen as a presidential failing that he didn't put a barrier between gay men and the behavior that they were engaging in, which clearly led to the spread of AIDS. Now, you don't dare say that gay men can't have, like, multiple sex partners in a night, in a week, in a month. You don't dare say that. Well, I'll say it. And again, not because it spares me anything. I'm not in any danger of getting it. But if you do not order your life according to the Word of God, then uh, you certainly will have a bitter reaction when other people try to save yourself from yourself. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.